God bless you as you give today. Help me say hello to two of my dear friends, Clay and Ruth Luckmeyer are up from Houston, Texas in the third row. So uh, welcome back. We're so glad you're here. And uh, if uh, you probably know uh, Ruth's job, Ruth is Dodie Osteen's personal assistant. And so uh, she's the one who makes that whole church run, I think. And uh, God bless you guys. Are you on like a honeymoon night, something like year 50 or something? It is the 50th, 50th anniversary trip, so congratulations. You could be my parents. I'm 59, so there we go. No, that wouldn't be right. That's backwards. Sorry about that. That didn't work so good. Chi Alpha's back in church finally. Nice to see the Chi Alpha guys over there. And uh, welcome to the assembly. We're thankful. I'm wearing my Champions Club shirt today because it's day one of registration for Champions Club. We have been looking forward to this and we're about uh, ready to roll. And so uh, you can register three ways. We're targeting in the beginning uh, registration four years old to 12 year olds. So if you have a student between the age of four and 12 that would be interested in uh, our ministry called Champions Club, uh, we'd like for you to register. It's specific specifically for students that would be benefited by a sensory room and a motor development room. Uh, Not exclusively, but a highlight is students with autism. Uh, We would like to have you register your student between the age of 4 and 12, and we will be launching that the first Sunday of October, but we're beginning our process of getting all of our workers ready and the training and the students. If you have a friend... uh, This shocked me when I found that many churches have asked people to leave if the child had special needs. And uh, so if you have a friend that has a special needs child that's saying, I can't go to church because they don't want the likes of us, yes, we do. So uh, text them, invite them. You can call 907, not call. You can text 907-337-9495. That's the church phone number. If you do hashtag champion, you'll get a registration on your phone. You can go to our website site and register, or at the end of the gathering, you can go to the hospitality table, and there you will find Pastor Alex, and you can go old-fashioned, paper and pen, and you can register in that way. I would also like to apologize for children's ministry uh, uh, check-in today. Uh, starting tomorrow, Howard and the crew are putting in our brand new epoxy floor in our children's ministry center. I think you're going to love it, and I I looked all over for what kind of floor I thought we'd like, and I found it down in in Seattle, actually. So I wanted to get a bid. The bid was $20-something dollars a foot, $24, $25 a foot. We have about 4,000 feet we want to do on the first project. So 4,000 times 20, woo, 100 grand to do our floor. So Howard is Mr. Guru of Skills. So he went down, did the training. He says he's going to be able to do it for $4 a foot. So that's kind of a good deal. And uh, so you're going to see that... uh, on uh, next Sunday, it'll be done, I think. Not the hallways. We, we got that planned, but that's not ready yet. And so anyways, uh, children are all over the place, not in their normal position. And the check-in was probably a little difficult, and we apologize for that, and thank you for your patience. Let's pray. Lord, today we study the Bible. We look forward to what you're going to do in our lives. We look forward to growing. I look forward to uh, becoming better friends with people, actually, as we continue our study on charging into the vast space between ourselves and others. Amen. Amen. So this is a kind of a fun Sunday for me because I just reprinted last week's notes because I only made it through a third last week and I thought, 
I care about the rest of this. You might want to be a great day for a nap if you're not wanting to track with me on that. But uh, the opening line in your notes is actually a secular sentence that I'm investigating with all my heart. It says, we do our best work and we live our best lives when we charge into the vast space between ourselves and others. And so I'm trying to illustrate it here with two people. And between two people, there's always a space. There's always a vast space between you. You're married, and you're delighted to be married, and you share everything. And yet from time to time, you bump in. You know what? There's a distance between, in my case, between me and my wife. Or uh, we have four kids. Uh, there's, uh, I love my kids. I hang out with my kids. I, I deal with my kids. It's awesome. But every once in a while, there's a vast space between me and my kids. Uh, and the sentence that we are using says, we do our best live, we do our best work when we don't run away from the vast space, but we run to it. Amen. And uh, uh, running to that vast space and uh, is the area of meaningful friendships, uh, the area of being able to love one another uh, deeply and sincerely from the heart. Uh, let's go this way. Uh, I am like everybody. If you're a human being, say I. I'm a human being. I'm like everybody. But in reality, I'm only like somebody. I'm not like all of y'all. For example, I'm a male and half of you are female. So I, I'm like everybody, but then I'm not really like everybody. I'm, I'm only kind of like somebody. But in the end, in fact, I'm really like nobody. Because there's only one of me on the planet. There's only one of you. Your fingerprint is the only one out of the billions of people who ever lived. And so when we come together, if we come together like everybody to everybody, it has a reward of maybe, uh, let's use pounds. It has a reward of one pound. We come together like, hey, it's a men's meeting. And we come together, it has a reward of two pounds. But when two people that are like nobody begin to share that part of them that makes them unique... That part of you that is only you. Nobody else in the universe has that part. They don't like what you like. They don't think like you think. They don't breathe like you breathe. They don't have the joys and the wishes that you have. When you come together as the only person in the world bringing this, and the other person comes together as the only person in the world bringing that, this can equal a 100 pounds of reward, a 100 pounds of joy, a 100 pounds of, of delight. Matter of fact, uh, we have some pretty big uh, guys here from time to time at our church. And uh, one time, this, this, I, it's a Saturday, and I, I hear a bang on the door over there. So I go over, and I, there's this big, huge guy. He's on the floor outside on the sidewalk, and he's weeping. And uh, I know exactly what that means. That means that somebody that's very, very close to him has hurt his heart. You know, like take, take like a big tough guy. Can you punch him and make him cry? Can you, what can you do to bring a guy to his knees? Well, it's when, when I shared with you that part of me that nobody else gets, and you shared with me that part that nobody else gets, and we have this exclusive relationship. When that is torn, it brings people to their knees. It brings, it is, uh, it is tough. It is one of the most difficult things you can imagine. And so when we're talking about we do our best lives and uh, do our best work when we go into the vast space between ourselves and others, 
We might want to begin with Genesis chapter 2, verse number 24. Therefore shall a man leave and cleave. Therefore shall a man leave and cleave. These are two of the most important words in relationships we could ever uh, bump into. And they're right there in the beginning of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast. In the King James, hold fast would be cleave to his wife. Our text that we are studying is Colossians chapter 3. And in Colossians chapter 3, we see as Neil puts it there, put to death therefore what is earthly in you. There's some stuff you have to leave if you're going to come into this vast space between yourselves and others. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. You got to leave that. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Can you imagine uh, wanting to go into the vast space between you and somebody else only to find out they're very immoral? In the terms of the verse, they're sexually immoral. You're like, no, thank you. I don't want to go into immorality. I'm keeping my distance from this space. So Paul says, there's some stuff we've got to leave. Let's go to the next verse, verse number six. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. These aren't little things. They actually uh, are responded to by the wrath of God. Verse seven, the Bible says, in these two, you once walked when you were living in them. Verse eight. But now you must put them all away. You must leave some stuff. Check out this list. Do you want your best friend? Do you want to charge into the vast space if they have anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk? It's like, no, thank you. I don't really want that to be, I don't want that to be this uh, abiding and enduring relationship in my life. I, I don't want to go there. Well, let's go to the next verse. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, verse 10, and have put on the new self. Leave, there's some stuff to take off. Cleave, there's some new stuff to put on. So Genesis 2, 24, therefore shall a man leave and cleave. Uh, uh, one time a psychiatrist and a medical doctor, I was about 25, 26 years old, they asked me to do their wedding. And I said, okay, but we require premarital guidance before we can actually go in here and do this wedding. Wah, wah, wah. I'm a psychiatrist. She's a doctor. And you're a puny pastor. How can you help us? I said, well, I don't know if I can help you, but I know the word of God. I, maybe I can help at, maybe I can throw down some Bible in your life. We don't need you. And I, I said, well, you don't need me. I'm not doing your wedding. So they went to another AG church and got married two weeks later. Their marriage lasted, I'm not kidding you, one week. They filed for divorce in one week. Why? Because it, just because you're a psychiatrist and just because you're a medical doctor doesn't mean you've left everything you need to leave. You can be, you can be a long-term anything and still have stuff in your life that you need to leave, like a painful memory. Does anybody say, you know what, I'm trying to come into this space, but I can't get in there because there's a painful memory that they have, and, and that painful memory kind of pushes me away. I love this line. I hear it maybe two, three times a year. Somebody says, will you help us get ready to get married? And I say, yeah, I'd love to. And the lady says this, after what I've been through, I thought I could never love again. 
right? I love that sentence because she's left. I thought I could never love again. And now she's to a place of like, praise God, I, I have a freedom. I now can cleave again. I can love again. And so he says in the word of God, there's some stuff we need to put on. Now, interestingly, in this uh, difference between each other, Paul gives a list. He's trying to make it really clear how tough this can be. He says, you know what? There are Jews and there are Gentiles. I think this is verse 13 in Colossians 3. Can you imagine the distance between Jews and Gentiles? Uh, Maybe even a hatred, definitely a lack of respect. He said, you know what? There's Jews and there's Gentiles. And in that relationship, there's some stuff you Jews need to take off. There's some stuff you Jews need to put on. There's some stuff you Gentiles need. He said, you know what? There's also those of the circumcision and those of the uncircumcision. Now we're saying there's some religious ideas and some religious beliefs and, and concepts that need to go back and forth and say, you know what? You need to put some stuff on and you need to put some stuff off. Then he says there's the barbarians, which is exactly what it sounds like. We get the word barbaric. And then there's the Scythians. And he said, you know what? These guys, these guys are barbaric and these guys are more barbaric. Can you imagine them coming together in this space? He goes, you know what? Barbarian and Scythian, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbearable. He said, you know what? There's slaves and there's free. Can you imagine a slave owner and a, a slave having some kind of relationship in this space? It would be a very, very difficult space. But for you and me, let's say, you know, uh, uh, here's me, uh, son, and here's my mom. I think mom's watching today. I love you, mom. Love you very much. Mom called me to pray for me last night like she does every Saturday night. She said, I'm going to pray for you, son. I said, let's roll, mama. <laughs> she said, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I can't remember the rest of the prayer. Mom said, I can remember it. My mom couldn't remember the rest of the prayer. And it's the first time, she's 86, it's the first time that I bumped into, there, in this space between me and my mom, is going to be some memory loss. And I can run from it. I'm in Alaska, she's in Houston. Or I can say, you know what, Mama? I am going to run into the vast space of memory between you and me. And we are going to make our best lives and we are going to do our best work as we go into this space. You see what I'm saying? And so think of somebody that you really love and you say, you know what? These can be difficult things. And Paul says this, he goes, but but all this kind of changes because Christ is all and in all. And so when Christ comes in, into that space, and Christ is all and is in all, now Jew and Gentile can come together in a beautiful space before the Lord. uh, Circumcised and uncircumcised can come together in this beautiful space, barbarian and Scythian, slave and free, and Kent and Clarina. We can come into this space, and we can have the most delightful, rewarding relationship in this space because we have taken off what needs to be taken off. We are leaving what needs to be left, and we are cleaving to what needs to be cleft. Leave and cleave. 
Praise God. What a beautiful opportunity it is for the Lord to uh, say to us today, the deepest longing of your heart is not when you run away from it, it's when you move into that space. Now, I don't uh, have a better illustration than uh, Guy Moffley and I were driving to summer camp, and uh, the guy behind me, I'm driving, the guy behind me He claimed to be asleep. I don't know what happened, but he pulled out in the lane next to us and he went, he sped up to pass us with a car coming full speed the other way. And right before you get into Wasilla, there's right next to us is a huge head on collision. Huge. And out of the, out of the window of the other car comes a infant and lands right in front of my car. Why am I telling you this story? Because I was paralyzed. I couldn't move. I don't know how PTSD works, but it worked where I couldn't move. Guy jumped out of the car, and he ran over, and he got down. He said, are you okay? You're going to be okay. And he waved traffic, and he, I was just paralyzed. Well, in this kind of situation, you're facing some relational deal, and all of a sudden something happens. It's very easy for you or me to get paralyzed. It's very easy to say, you know, last time I loved, I got my heart broke. I'm paralyzed. Or last time I was, uh, last time I was doing something in this arena, last boss I confided to, uh, I said to our staff this week, I said, I think every pastor needs a prayer partner. You need a prayer partner, pastor. And they're all like, yeah, yeah. Then one guy goes, you know what? Last time I had a prayer partner, they shared all my business all over the network. I got burned. I'm never having another prayer partner as long as I live. What happens? Because in this space, you share your heart. We, we, this happened one time at MCA. Uh, Kent Elder, uh, they were, they were pregnant, but none of us knew. So he put a little baby, uh, booty, uh, picture on a plate. And, and it was full of cakes, uh, not cakes, cookies. And everybody took a cookie, and when the last cookie came off the plate, there was the announcement, a baby's going to be born. He said, now please, uh, just, we got to tell my mom, we got to tell some people before anything happens. Before we left the room, it was on Facebook. Before we left the room. Well, what does that do to saying, hey, I want to charge into that vast space with you? It basically says, you know what, you need to, you need to shy away because this isn't a safe space. So let's look at what the current, uh, Colossians says about what we need to put on. I think you'll find it good. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. That, just say it one more time. If I come into this space because you are going to complete me, it's dysfunctional. If I come to you and say, you know what, I, I am just like, I have all these gaps in my personality and gaps in my life. I'm coming into this relationship hoping that you'll complete me. This will not work. This is dysfunctional. Notice what the verse says. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. You come into this space, you come into it as chosen by God. You come into it completed in the Lord. He is your righteousness. He is your future. He is your joy. He is your well-being. And you come into that in this way. And when you come into that this way, you do not come in to see what you can get. You come in to see what you can give. 
And you say to yourself, okay, God, I am asking you to help me come into this relationship as God's chosen one, God's holy, and God's beloved. Do you ever talk to yourself? I don't know if you do, but I encourage you to. Just don't reply. But talk to yourself. And uh, the Bible says, David said, why art thou so downcast, O my soul? Put your trust in thee. Well, when you talk to yourself from time to time, you might want to use Colossians 3, verse 12, and say, you know what? I am God's chosen one. I am holy. I am his beloved. I am his chosen one. I am holy. I am his beloved. Is that because of what I did? No, it's because of what he did. He chose me. He makes me holy. And he's the one who does the loving. So I'm able to come to this church service today and say to you, I I hope you don't feel like you exist for me. I hope you don't feel like you exist so that we can chuck up a seat was full or an offering was given. You're not a seat. You're not an offering. You're not a, you're a person and you matter and you're important. And we say, you know what? I'm coming as God's chosen and holy and beloved. And I'm talking to God's chosen and his holy and his beloved. And some pretty good stuff is going to happen in that space. Put on compassionate hearts. Put on compassionate hearts hearts. I think for me, it means when somebody comes into this space with a compassionate heart, I think it means they're interested in me. You know, I've, uh, uh, who was it? Uh, a long time ago, I heard a guy, I don't remember who it was, but he had a picture of him with a lot of presidents. He had a picture of him with a lot of president. And he goes, notice what's true in every photo. And it was true in every photo. The president was looking somewhere else. <laughs> but, you know, he got a picture with the president, but the president was doing something more important. But he got, at least he got a photo. And you have, do you have any relationships where you're a vending machine? And they say, I'll call, put in the quarter, and I'll get out of you whatever it is I need. Hey, Dad, can I borrow the car? uh, Danae's really good at this. I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. Can we go out to eat? Right? And it's like, okay, I get it. But sometimes you just, you can get the feeling that people are interested in something you can deliver to them more than they're interested in you. I've given my life to Muldoon Assembly, 36 years I've served here. I love it. It's the joy of my life to sacrifice my life or give my life for you. The other day, I'm talking with Janet Weiss. Uh, she's on our board. We're talking about decisions for our church and where to head. And uh, I said, you know, I'm really, I'm really praying about what's best for our church. Janet said, okay, let's lay that aside for a minute. She said, what would be best for you? I'm like, Me? I'm not thinking about me. I'm thinking about MCA. She goes, no, before we talk about MCA, what would be the best decision for you? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm a person? I matter? Uh, Did anybody remember Ollie North trial years ago? Anybody remember Ollie North trial? Well, his attorney was there in front of Congress. And and, uh, they were interviewing Ollie North on the Sandinista controversy or whatever that was. And and his attorney answered. And the the senator said, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to Oliver. And the attorney goes, I'm not a potted plant here. I think that's a great line. You know? 
you're not a potted plant. You know what I'm saying? You're a human being. You're like nobody on the other side of the board. You are like somebody. You're like everybody, but you're like nobody. And when somebody steps into your life and really cares about you, they take an interest in you, not an interest in resource. I, I think I said this last Sunday, but most of you weren't here. Uh, a very wealthy friend of mine, uh, God gave me a word of wisdom for him, a word of knowledge for him. So I, I thought, I'm going to take the risk. It's really weird. I just, I just emailed him. I said, the Lord gave me a word for you. It's lease, don't buy. Kent. Pretty soon, I get a call from another guy. He goes, my name's Josh. I said, yeah. He said, you don't know how big a word you just gave to our employer. And he's a, the guy I'm talking about is a billionaire. He said, you don't, know, you don't know what that did for our company. And my boss wants to help Malden Community Assembly for your kindness. To which I felt obligated to say, no thanks. We don't, we don't serve you to get from you. We want to do what God, God told me that long time ago. Don't ever do that. And I was so mad. Do preachers cuss, Bill? My boss is here. Do preachers cuss? I wanted to cuss this time. I don't cuss. I don't even know what word to use. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) This guy's in my office. He's an evangelist. He, He goes, what do you want me to do? I said, whatever you do, don't take an offering. I said, I do the offerings here. No manipulation, none of that. I would never do that. I respect the house. I respect the house. He gets up here and preaches and sings. Does a great job. He gets down here at the end and he says, you know what? Uh, uh, I'm an old man and I I can't pray for everybody. I I just don't have the strength I used to have. So I'll tell you what. Whoever brings me a $100 bill, I'll pray for you. Now, you wanted to cuss too, so don't think I'm that bad. I see that. (laughs) I was so mad. Oh, man. No, you're a human. I'm a human. We come and say, I'm interested in you. I'm not, inter- I'm not interested in your $100 that you can give if God gives you a prophecy and helps my... You're a human being. You matter. You have eyes and ears and personality and hopes and wishes and dreams. And it's such a joy to even be part of that in your life. He says, put on compassionate hearts. To say, you know what? I'm interested in you. Let me tell you a funny one. Benny Hinn came to town. And I am not uh, a Benny Hinn fan, let's say. But my boss's boss's boss, his name was Thomas Trask. He was sending Benny here to check him out as far as the Assemblies of God goes. So Brother Trask said, Kent, you will be the host pastor of the Benny Hinn Crusade. So I'm the host pastor of the Benny Hinn Crusade. And, uh, and my son, Jonathan, he loved Benny Hinn. He would get up at 5 a.m. and it was on Channel 4, Benny Hinn came on at 5.30, and Jonathan's this big, and he'd get up every morning to watch Benny Hinn, and Benny always wears a white suit, right? So Jonathan needed a white suit, so we bought him a white suit, I'm telling you the truth, and we called him Mini Benny. (laughs) Isn't that great? So we're going down to the Benny Hinn crusade, right? I say, Jonathan, Benny Hinn is famous. Benny Hinn is rich. Benny Hinn is known all over the world. He is not going to have time for you, so don't be disappointed. No, Dad, I'm going to meet Benny Hinn. I said, you might meet him, but that's about all that's going to happen. So we walk into the Sullivan Arena. Benny Hinn ignores everybody. He walks over, picks up Jonathan, and plays with him for 30 minutes. (laughs) 
I had all this judgment about a guy I didn't even know. I was putting stuff in his space that wasn't there. You see, you see what I'm saying? He had a compassionate heart for a young guy. And I'm forever grateful. It says kindness. In kindness, I think it's the grace in action where people just come to you and are kind. It, it doesn't take a degree. It doesn't take a class. It's not complicated. But to just say, you know what? As I come into this space in your heart, I hope that I can be kind to you. I, I hope I can care. I hope I, hope I can be a blessing. Yeah, I, this is one of my favorite neighborhood stories. I, I, uh, years ago when I was just dealing with PTSD for the first time, I was messed up and I asked the board, I said, you know, I need a, I need a little bit of a break and uh, I, I got to take a break. And they said, okay, I can't remember, maybe two or three months break. And I went over to my next door neighbor. I said, well, I got bad news. He goes, why? I go, you're going to be seeing me a lot. Uh, he said, why? I said, because my brain just is all messed up with PTSD. And I've got some time off to try to sort my life out. My, my, uh, my job, I just need a break from my job. He goes, oh, you don't have a job. I said, I don't. He goes, no, you have a calling. Can you believe it? My neighbor's been in our church, in any church that I know of, one time, and that was for Danae's wedding. But he knew how to be kind to a struggling minister who needed a word that says, you don't just have a job. You have a God who called you. Just be kind. Just be kind. Humility. In humility, I think what it says is that when you struggle, I won't look down on you. That I, I will respect, I will respect in humility that my fight isn't your fight, but my fight doesn't make me superior to your fight. When people come and, and they say, you know, I've never told anybody this before, and they move their feet on the ground like this, or they look down, or they're wiggling, and they go, you know, I've never, they're not afraid to tell you what it is. They're afraid that when they tell you, you'll be proud against them. They're afraid that they're afraid that that their their humble confession or their humble opening of their heart won't be received, and so they get nervous that you would in fact even even say something. And and so uh, often, what you can uh, in the humility of this space, you can say, uh, "I care. Uh, I want to understand." I like one addiction. I don't understand addiction. I do not have an addiction that I know of except uh, sugar, but I've been sugar-free uh, next week. It'll be four years I'm sugar-free. Woo! I need a chip, Blaine. I don't go to celebrate recovery. A chocolate chip. That's what I need. But anyways, my fight's not your fight, but I'm not better than you because my fight's different. One guy fights with A, one guy fights with B, one guy fights with C, I fight with D. And if I open my heart, I could be very afraid that you would say, you know what, A, B, and C is a much better fight. I look down on you for having fight D. But the fact of the matter is, we're able by God's grace, because Christ is all and in all, we're able to say, the same Jesus that died for what I'm dealing with, died for what you're dealing with, and you're my brother and my sister, let's go together in this thing humility, meekness, 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 patience. In patience, you give me time to grow. In patience, you give me time. 
You know, my grandson is almost two years old, and he's not saying Greek words yet. He's not reading the King James yet. And I'm like, hurry up, kid, right? <laughs> or am I just saying like, okay? That's my favorite thing he says. It's like, you can't say a K yet. But I say, hey, do you want to watch? He loves to watch animals on my computer. Do you want to watch monkeys? Okay. <laughs> I have plenty of time. I have plenty of time for him to grow. And in this space, I may be 59 in two weeks. I may be that. But somebody who loves me dearly says, you're 59, but I still got time for you to grow. I still have patience. I still, I'll hang in there one more round with you. Praise God for his patience. Bearing one another. Next verse, verse number 13. Bearing with one another. It's a pretty simple word. It means hold. It means pick up. I'll never forget the day when I... Uh, was at Kenley's Restaurant or McKinley's, whatever it's called, there by uh, uh, Moose's Tooth. And I'm meeting Rick and Mel. The phone rings. I say, hello, it's By- is he, this is Byron. I say, hey, Doc, how's it going? He goes, not good. I said, what's up? He goes, uh, Joanne just died. I said, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he did. I, I, I got word he was killed in a car wreck. I said, no, that, that's not right. He goes, I think it is. So I called his wife, Pascaline, in Burkina Faso. I said, uh, here, uh, uh, how are you, Pascaline? And she was crying. I couldn't understand a word she said. I thought, this can't be true. It can't be true. I said, Pascaline, what's on? She goes, your brother is gone. My heart broke. The room spun. I was dizzy. Mel and Rick helped me get to the car. They should have driven me home. They're not that good of friends. But uh, (laughs) anyways... Have a nice wreck on your way home, Kent. I've never had this happen to me before. I walked in, and I just fell, and I wept. I just, I wailed. I didn't weep. I wailed. And all of a sudden, I heard somebody wailing with me. And I look out, and Gary Morton, pastor of Anchorage First Assembly, has driven to my house, and he's outside, and he's already weeping with me. I don't think he even knew Joanne, but he knew me. And in that moment, he was bearing me up. It's okay, Kent, right now. He said it. He said, Kent, it's okay. You helped so many people through grief. Let me help you now. It's like, it's like really? You want to help me? You want to help bear my load? It's like, yeah, you know, I want to I bear with one another. I want to bear with one another. This is another heavy story, but it was powerful in my life on this point. I come to work on Saturday in like in 1983, and there's a wedding. I go, I didn't know there was a wedding at MCA. Limo, audience, tuxedos, wedding dress, and no pastor. They go, "Uh, uh, would you do our wedding? I said, well... Who was supposed to? Pastor Shineman was supposed to do our wedding, but he's not here. I said, I'll do your wedding. I had on a, a yellow and blue striped soccer jersey from Northwest University, cutoffs and sandals. So I throw on a choir robe, and these ugly hairy legs are sticking out underneath this <laughs> choir robe. It was really funny. And I, I just grabbed one out of my file, and I say, Dearly, we are gathered together today in the sight of God in the presence of this company to join together. I go, what's your name? I didn't even know his name. So after that wedding, I thought, I got to find out what's going on. So I heard Pastor Shenman was at 
John and Debbie Bowers' house. So I go, I'm going over there to find out why he can miss a wedding. I get over there, and what I didn't know is John and Debbie's baby had died that night. And they had a big picture window, and I look in the window from outside, and Neil Cinnamon is on the floor like this at the couch, and he's got his arm under Debbie Bowers, and they're all weeping together over the loss of their baby. And it was the first time in actual visual way I saw a pastor bearing somebody's burden with them. It was beautiful. And when you have a friend that says, you know what, let me carry that for a little while. I remember the first time I went to work on PTSD, I made an appointment with a counselor, and I was scared, man. I'm like, oh, I don't want to. It was so scary to me. I had a dream the night before my first appointment on PTSD. I had a dream of a surgeon sticking a needle in my brain and sucking my brains out. That's how scared I was about going to counseling. I don't know if you guys can track with trying to be a leader that's flawed. My mom said, son, don't tell anybody. People won't follow a pastor who has PTSD. But secrets are lethal. I'm nervous. I go in the room. I sit down on Larry's chair in there. I tell him my messed up life and what's going on and the shooting and the... If you have one uh, death that your crucial death thing, it often produces PTSD. I have 23. 23. I say to Larry, uh, I'm just expecting to be like, whatever. It's not going to go good. He says, can't look at me. I look up at Dr. Severson. He said, I want you to hear it from me. It would be a privilege to walk with you into this space in your heart. He he didn't say, for 150 bucks an hour, I'll do this job. He said, it would be a privilege for me to walk into this space with you. I'm a thousand times better than I was before I learned about PTSD. I'm so much better that two years ago this month, when the texting driver ran the stop sign in Colorado, hit Larry's car, and killed his wife. I'm able to say, Larry, it'd be a privilege for me to walk with you through this grief. Bearing. So, you know, can I carry that for you? Can I get... Can I get my shoulder up under that? And that reminds me of Jesus. Because I'm, I'm not a Texan. I don't know much about yokes. But one day I got this idea. I should probably look for a picture of a yoke. And so I, I saw a yoke. It's this, it's this thing like this. And on here, one cow is in the yoke. And over here the other cow is in the yoke and it connects the two cows together so they can pull simultaneously. 
And the Lord said to me, Kent, I'm the other cow, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And as the first time a picture came to mind, I'm under a yoke, but God is on the other side. And together we're pulling together into this vast space between me and him. And it's a light yoke. It's not a heavy burden. It's joyful to be yoked up with Jesus. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You're my brother, you're my sister. So take me by the hand. Together 